Welcome to Bougie Booze, a podcast hosted by a brother and sister from another mister. I'm David. I'm Cam. Thank you for listening as we talk about Black culture, Asian culture, pop culture, culture culture, and quite frankly, anything else we want to talk about. So how are you today, Boo? You know, I'm good. The weather is good. The sun is shining. The skies are clear. Um, I'm just getting back from a doctor's appointment, actually. So, okay, how did that go? Uh, it went um, okay. <laughs> I mean, well, you're, okay. you're laughing and smiling, so it doesn't tell you that <laughs> it doesn't tell me that they told you you're going to die. Oh, no, thank God, no. <laughs> so, but because I'm proactive, right? You've got to be proactive about your health, not reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny because when the nurse called me in, like she saw that I had like a paper in my hand, and she probably was like, Why does this girl have a list? Well, I, I knew like you have to walk into your appointments with a list of questions that you have, Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure if this has been your experience, but my experience, these doctors will try to rush you, right? Because doctors have appointments back to back and you tell them your concerns and they'll try to say, oh, well, it sounds like this, or it sounds like, you know, you may have experienced this, but not really take the time to listen to you. And sometimes when that happens, you forget what you want to tell the doctor. And so I was like, uh-uh, y'all ain't about to do this to me. So I had a list of questions and the doctor was actually surprised, but she's like, no, it's good that you're very thorough. And the doctor that I saw, um, she was not my primary care provider. My primary was not available, but you know, I understand doctors are in a kind of a place where it's like, all right, see as many patients as we can because we have a full schedule. But I feel that she was not really trying to listen to my concerns and she was just doing things that were kind of like on the surface solutions. Mm -hmm. For example, the first thing that she thought was to give me a pregnancy test. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, first of all, I know I am not with child. (laughs) And I, I took the test. And when the nurse came back, the nurse was like, oh, it's negative. And I said, I know it was going to be negative. So obviously that was kind of a waste of time. Yeah, unless you were like uh, the second coming of the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Which I I doubt I am. (laughs) And then um, another solution, possible solution was to prescribe me two pills, right? And I'm not one to take a lot of medication. Mm -hmm. So I declined one of the pills. Um, And then the other pill, I did fill the prescription, but I am going to do my background research because I asked the doctor, I said, well, these pills affect my kidneys. And she could not give me a straight answer. Her answer was, well, you know, each person's case is different and they experience different side effects, but it wasn't the answer I was looking for. And then the same when I was talking to the pharmacist, I asked the same question, will this medication affect my kidneys? And again, I received an answer, oh, it shouldn't, but come on now, that's a lot of room for it may, or it probably will. Well, and that's purposeful. They want to be vague about what they're telling you because they don't want to be locked down to a a specific answer. So you can go back and say, this is what they said to me. Exactly. Well, and then also as a woman of color and, you know, as a person of color, we have to advocate for our healthcare because it's really sad that 
we're not taken seriously. Um, we are not given the best uh, treatments and the best methods. And I learned that if you request something and it's denied, you can always say, please put that in my file. Because if it's in your file, God forbid you have to file, you know, a medical malpractice lawsuit, but at least mm -hmm. it's documented that yeah. I tried to address this and you didn't acknowledge it. Oh no, it's it's not a matter of perception, actually, because I watch a lot of medical dramas and there are episodes where they deal with that, where a person of color comes in and usually the white doctor, which is mm. on the show, mm -hmm. um, you know, prescribe a treatment or medication that is not relevant for that person's background or their oh. cultural background uh, or their ethnicity. And they're going off of records or data that is antiquated. And so, you know, they might be telling a black person or an Asian person what they need to do now based on data from the seventies. And it's like, no, it's 2022. Yeah. We are far advanced. <laughs> So it's, it's not, it's like, it's not a matter of people of color going in and saying, oh no, I think this is what this is. I'm, it's happening because I'm a person of color. It's happening because it, it's true there. It's like, it's not again, perception. It's reality that a lot of doctors are not educated to the point where they understand the differences of each individual persons and mm -hmm. their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's an unfortunate truth, but um, you know, we can only trust that if they're a doctor, they're trying their best to help us because that's what they want to do. Let's hope so. And I'm thankful and grateful for the doctors and the medical professionals. But then also, I think the doctor that I saw, she tried to like get smart with me because <laughs> after the appointment was over, I requested to be referred to a specialist. And then she said, for the same thing? And I said, yes. She said, oh, do you want to see them because they're the specialists? I said, yes. I mean, you did ask for a specialist. <laughs> I mean, so no hard feelings, but it's always good to get a second opinion, to ask questions, things like that. So it, it, it was an interesting experience. Again, this was not my primary. And so I don't know if she was expecting me to be, um, a, I guess, well-informed patient you know, mm -hmm. with my list and things like that. So, well, I think it's important for the listeners out there, you know, to advocate for yourself when you go into an appointment, mm -hmm. don't just, you know, ask questions. Don't just rely on the doctor to tell you what to do. Yes. Uh, you know, oftentimes before I go in, if I have symptoms, I'll look them up online and I'll tell them. Don't doctor. look them up on WebMD though. <laughs> WebMD no. would be like, you died yesterday. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I use multiple sources except for uh, not just WebMD. But what I'll do is I'll look at, uh, you know, a variety of um, sources for that information about what the symptoms or possible results of those symptoms could be. And then I'll go into the doctor and say, you know, of course, I'm not a doctor. I didn't get my license, <laughs> but I have questions. And can you, you know, relieve my mind about these kind of things? So, you know, I'm concerned about X, Y, Z. I do my due diligence to make sure that I feel comfortable once I leave the uh, appointment mm -hmm. and not just relying on the doctor's expertise because again, they, yes, they trained uh, on this information, mm -hmm. but they're, they're not necessarily experts per se. They're just giving you their best estimation of what you could have. And that's why people go for second and third opinions, you, you know, especially if it's a serious case, you shouldn't just rely on that first doctor yeah. um, because maybe they missed something or maybe they're, 
complacent and they're like they've been in the career for so long they're like eh. yeah whatever <laughs> nah, okay you yeah. know well and especially now too with all of the resources at our fingertips in terms of like internet like you said mm-hmm. and then all of the holistic um ways to heal your body too yeah so it is good to be an advocate for your own health and be proactive it's like i pay for my medical insurance so yes if my fingertip is hurting guess who's going to the doctor <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's funny, you talked about the, their attitude. And when I go in, sometimes I go in through like um, urgent care mm-hmm. uh, and I'll get a physician's assistant and they seem to be much better with their bedside manner than the actual doctors themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, one time I asked this physician assistant, I really, like I said, I can't have you as my primary, can I? <laughs> It doesn't hurt to ask. Closed well, mouths don't get fed. Exactly. And then, they, you know, they explained they couldn't, but it's unfortunate. A lot of like several physician assistants I've seen have been great and I would love them as a primary doctor. Yeah. Well, and then when I was leaving the doctor, I was like, you know what? I bet you my body is being disturbed by the twin that I ate in the womb. Oh, you ate a twin? <laughs> I mean, that's what doctors told my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is... My parents were told that about my sister. My sister supposedly ate her twin. So we love joking about that with her and saying, you ate your twin. Well, the reason why the doctors told my mom this, um, when I was younger, I had a growth on my tongue. That sounds gross. But I also had a pocket in my gums. Mm -hmm. So I had to undergo oral surgery very young. Thank God the growth on my tongue was benign. So it wasn't cancer. The pocket in my gums, it was a pocket of baby teeth. (laughs) That's a horror movie. (laughs) It's a horror movie. And you know what? I kept the teeth for a long time. And I think my mom just like threw them out one day because I thought that was so cool that I had a pocket of teeth in my gums and it was like four little baby teeth. So yeah. um, So maybe something about me eating my twin and now my body's like, hey, (laughs) Well, you know, me. it's funny that we say that like the public actually says this whole eating twin phenomenon, but it's actually not a scientific truth per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it really is, is called, cause I've been fascinated by this and I researched it before, but it's a uh, vanishing twin or twin reabsorption. Mm-hmm. It's when the fetus in a multi-gestation pregnancy dies in utero and is partially reabsorbed or completely reabsorbed. And oftentimes though, it's reabsorbed by the mother's body. Oh, okay. So I am not at fault. Well, <laughs> unless you're one of those rare instances where a twin, uh, the, the, the other baby could be absorbed by their twin, but um, that results in something very interesting. It's very rare, but the embryo cells could be absorbed by the surviving twin and it causes what you, the surviving twin to become a chimera. Oh. And a chimera is a person with two sets of DNA. Wait, Chimera does sound a little bit like Cam. <laughs> <laughs> camera, you a Camera or a camera? <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> Listen, I looked at the twin and I said, it's either you or me and it's going to be me. Well, it's and gonna it's going to be me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Justin. <laughs> but no, it's funny that you say that because some uh, researchers or doctors feel like it's possibly due to fetal competition 
for space, nutrition, mm -hmm. and other factors early in gestation. So it, I mean, it's possible you said, uh-uh, <laughs> well, there's only room for one. <laughs> I like my space. We, we both know how we feel about give me I my know. space. We are both like that. Maybe I ate one too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, actually it's, um, it's very common for supposed twins to be reabsorbed or eaten <laughs> because, um, you know, and the only reason we know about it more recently because of medical technology and ultrasounds in the first trimester. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll catch those babies on there it's like oh you're having two or three babies and the next time they go in for an ultrasound you have one baby <laughs> <It's> like, <"What?" laughs> here i am trying to mentally prepare myself for multiple but i did read something that was interesting that uh said maybe this myth exists because of nature itself mm -hmm. like a good example sand tiger sharks they might have about a dozen in the womb uh -huh. and then the largest will go around eating all its siblings except for maybe one <laughs> and so people hear that and they're like oh i ate my twin too <laughs> survival of the fittest <laughs> basically that's nature cruel cruel in that way so cam won out and so did my sister there you go there you go amazons <laughs> amazons in the womb i staked my claim early in life <laughs> well thank you for that thank you for that fact you're welcome so it sounds like you gave your twin an ultimatum in the womb i sure did I gave my twin an ultimatum, just like these couples are giving their significant others ultimatums on Netflix. Oh, yeah, there's a show called Ultimatum, right? <laughs> there is, and I've been binging that show. So it's hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, and they encourage couples to put their love to the test while having encounters with other potential matches. So basically, giving your significant other a hall pass to cheat is, is what the show's about. So a bunch of chaos is happening. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it sounds like, because you talked about Love is Blind and now Ultimatum, and I know there are other shows too, but Netflix loves their really messy relationship shows, but that's probably because it gets viewers. So the people out there love messy relationship shows. Well, and it's garbage TV, but again, you're just like, people are really going through this. You know, they're doing this. It's five couples mm -hmm. and the couples are Alexis and Hunter, Colby and Madeline, Ray and Zay, Jake and April, Shanique and Randall. And so these couples, the, the gist of the show is for the first three weeks, uh, one of the significant others, they're living with a different person that they clicked with in the initial meetings. And then same for the other significant other. After the first three weeks is over, then they go back to their original partners and live with their original partners for three weeks. Then after the three weeks is over, they then make a decision on whether or not they're going to marry the person that gave them the ultimatum or move on to the person that they live with for the first three weeks. Mm -mm. Were you able to follow that? I, yeah, I, I was able to. So it's a six week experimentation to see if the person you came with mm -hmm. is ultimately the person you actually love exactly and if a new person could change your feelings regardless if you're with them or not it makes you question whether or not you actually love the person you came in with that and of course a new person is going to be shiny and fun and all you mm. see is butterflies and hearts they're new and exactly you only know them for three weeks it's like is that three weeks going to be the same when it's three months in mm. six months in i i highly doubt it 
So, and it was interesting because, um, so Alexis and Hunter, Alexis gave Hunter the ultimatum. And when it was time to choose potential other partners, Hunter proposed to Alexis. So he responded to the ultimatum right away. He didn't even go into <laughs> the three weeks. He probably was like, nope. He was probably the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, um, other couples, they felt that Alexis and Hunter really did not give themselves the, the experience because the whole show is supposed to be, you have to experience someone else to really know if yeah. the person that gave you the ultimatum is the one. So but you can't even fault Hunter for wanting to marry Alexis. He's been with her for a couple of years. So he, he saw how it felt to date someone else. And he probably said, forget this. I don't want to get to know anybody new, have to learn their quirks and things like that. So let me just marry the girl who gave me the ultimatum. Well, then it makes me wonder how much they knew about uh, going into the show, because why did he even go on the show? Probably for exposure, I'm thinking, because a of lot course. of these people, you know, you go to their um, social media pages and yeah. their influencers. And um, it, it also make makes me question, again, why, why they're on there. Are they legitimately on there for the reasons of the show or are they there for exposure? Yeah. So maybe they were there for exposure, obviously, because they didn't stay the whole time. Um, there was another couple, Colby and Madeline. This couple chaos <laughs> so colby gave madeline the ultimatum which was kind of interesting to me um usually you hear of the female in the relationship giving the male the ultimatum yeah and so i was like okay well, this is interesting that you know the male is giving the female a, hey marry me or else but colby does not seem genuine to me he's very manipulative he's good at flipping the narrative so basically Madeline is letting him know, I'm not ready to get married, but I still want to be with you. And he's like, no, you have to marry me. We've been together for two years and this, this is enough time to know if you want to spend your life with someone. And that statement to me is subjective because yeah, for some people, two years could be enough mm -hmm. time, right? But maybe for another person, it's not until year three where they feel like, you know what, this person is my person and I want to stay with them. But not only that, these couples, most of them, they're in their mid-20s and they've been dating the person for like two years. And all of a sudden now it's like, nope, here's my ultimatum. I want to be with you forever. In your mid-20s. Yeah, that's the crazy part. It's like, what's the rush with that? To me, no rush, right? I'm in my mid-30s, not married, and I'm thriving. <laughs> <laughs> Living your best life. So um, I just thought these couples were a little crazy for that. Another thing that kind of made me raise my eyebrow about Colby and Madeline. Colby said that his trial wife, which was another girl on the show, April, grew into a woman within three weeks of them knowing each other. <laughs> like, was she not a woman before? What does that mean? Like, did she get her period? I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, that statement is weird. So, or maybe um, April turned him more into a man. I was taken back. I was like, okay, that's weird. But not only that, Colby kissed multiple women with while on the three-week break. So he was living with his trial wife, but then uh, he was meeting these women at the club. But yet you gave Madeline the ultimatum. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He's, I, I was like, remind us. He's the one that gave the ultimatum, right? Yes. <laughs> and then... Colby told Madeline that 
one of the girls that he met at the club was helping him through the whole ultimatum process. And that's why he constantly communicated with her. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, Madeline, girl. Madeline needs to leave. <laughs> Not only that, but Colby told Madeline it's her fault that their relationship is, it is where it is because she's not ready to marry him. So you see how manipulative Yeah, I was going to say, be? that's really manipulative. Yeah. So, and then he told Madeline that he issued the ultimatum for her. It was for her benefit. Oh gosh. I Women, just, if you're watching that, if you're attracted to Colby, you have a problem. Run, girl, <laughs> run as fast as you can. And I was screaming at the TV. I was like, Madeline, no, girl. <laughs> well, and then on the flip side of that, Madeline, her trial husband was Randall. Madeline is a Caucasian woman. Randall is a black man. Mm-hmm. My whole thought on Madeline wanting to be set up with Randall is Madeline just wanted some D from a black man. <laughs> what gave you that indication? Because she got mad at him because he wouldn't be intimate with her. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Randall's like, no, or in this three-week process, we're trying to get to know each other. It's not going to be physical. Like we have to really remove the phys- physicality out of mm-hmm. it and talk to each other, have conversations. Now, these couples are sleeping in the same bed yeah. during these three weeks, right? So it's easy to kind of, you know, have that attraction maybe and touch a person or cuddle them or whatever. And Madeline and Randall did cuddle. They did kiss, but Randall would just cut it off there. He would never go to the next move, next base or whatever. Yeah. And Madeline was mad. <laughs> well, I appreciate Randall being so sensible that way. He was. And he probably was like, he knew probably in the back of his mind what he wanted to do ultimately. Mm-hmm. And not to jeopardize that, he's not going to be intimate with Madeline. And my theory actually proved true because I did watch all of it. I'm not going <laughs> to give away what happened. But what Madeline did at the end of the series, I'm like, yeah, she just wanted some black D. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think of Randall's partner who came in with, she should be fortunate that she has this man. She is. She Based is. on what I'm hearing. I yes. don't know what else. Yes. So. Well, and um, for those of you out there who have not li- or have not watched Ultimatum, Randall to me is Trey Song's doppelganger. He looks like Trey Song. Okay. So he's not, you know, a bad looking man. Um, So yeah, that was Madeline and Randall. Um, The next couple, Ray and Zay. (laughs) (laughs) This couple was also uh, interesting. Let's see. It was Ray who gave the ultimatum to Zay. And Zay felt like Ray did not express her feelings enough for him. So Zay would ask Ray these intimate questions, right? And Ray would always say, oh, well, you know, I'm sure I'll let you know when I get to that point or when we cross that bridge. So basically just giving him on the surface level answers and Zay wanted more from Ray. So Ray is the female and Zay is the male. Yeah, so Ray is short for Rachel. Mm -hmm. And then Zay, which is funny, our listeners out there who watch basketball, he reminded me of Tristan Thompson. <laughs> so Tristan Thompson, Chloe Kardashian's baby daddy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Boo? I don't because I'm not into those kind of sports. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so he, he looks like Tristan Thompson. Um, so yeah, 
Zay gave Ray the ultimatum. Zay ended up having the trial, having a trial with who was Zay? Oh, Shanique. Shanique was Zay's trial wife. Mm-hmm. Ray, her trial husband was Jake. <laughs> Are you following? <laughs> I was gonna, I'm following, but it sounds like you're gonna need a chart you know, a flow chart for this where the, you're zip zapping across the way or one of those boards where like the, the person track of serial killer and they have the red string going from this one to this one. <laughs> yeah. Forgive me if it's confusing, but I'm trying to make it as easy to follow as possible. But um, so they ended up going with Jake. That was her trial husband. Mm-hmm. Ray and Jake, they were really cute together. Um, they had a similar background. They both had Creole roots. Uh, they're both, they, what am I trying to say? You so they tell. clicked, they clicked right away. They clicked right away. And to me, um, after three weeks, Jake, you can tell he seemed like he was a different person. So he seemed happier. He got like a new beard. You can tell he was putting <laughs> a lot more, uh, effort into his appearance, things like that. And yeah, they seemed like they were the perfect couple. So that was the couple where I was like, hmm, it'll be interesting to see if they do end up together and if uh, they leave their original partners. Hmm. Then you have Shanique who gave Randall the ultimatum. So remember Randall, his trial wife was Madeline. (laughs) Yep. And Shanique was upset with herself because Randall did seem happy with Madeline. So then Shanique, got really in her feelings, but she issued the ultimatum to Randall. So how can Shanique be mad if you're the one who gave your significant other the ultimatum? Like, what did you think was going to happen, right? Even though Randall refused to be intimate with Madeline, he got to know Madeline for her mind and he really enjoyed her company. Uh And Shanique saw that and she didn't appreciate it. But again, if you're gonna be mad, only be mad at yourself, Shanique. (laughs) right because you're the one who issued the ultimatum and then the last couple april and jake um yeah i really didn't like them together uh, honestly jake's reasoning for not wanting to marry april because he was not financially stable and he wasn't ready and april kept saying well you know we're never going to be financially stable we can grow together We've been together for two years, things like that. And Jake was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready, but I still want to be with you. Do you feel like that financial stability was an excuse? I think it was. I think it was because it really, to me, it didn't make any sense because Jake allegedly purchased a new Jeep SUV for April. So, I mean, (laughs) if you were, you're not in a good place financially, right? How are you buying your significant other a car? Mm -hmm. So I think that was an excuse because he knew that that wasn't the one. He probably just didn't know how to tell her. And let's see. That's something too, though, people. Like if you're in a relationship, don't feel like you're trapped in it. Just express your truth and say, Mm -hmm. you know, release the other person and and yourself and say, you know, we need to not be together. Mm -hmm. Instead of like trying to spare the person's feelings but at the same time, you have resent from, resentment for them now because you're stuck with them. Like, set yourselves both free. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just be adults about it. Just say, this exactly. has been a great X amount of time. 
I love you. I've grown together. We've grown together. You know, we've experienced ups and downs, but now maybe we come at a crossroads where you want something different than I want. And of course, because we are older, boo, I think yes. it's easy for us to have these conversations. People in their 20s are like, eh, I don't know. Eh, well, scared. I was just going to say the way you expressed that was very articulate. So some people are copying down what you just said. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just be like, they'll, they'll use the infamous, can we talk? <laughs> This, now I'll be like, can we talk? This is what I want to tell you. Yeah. And I'm not going to say, can we talk? I'm just going to be like, here's what's happening. <laughs> I mean, at least you're not wasting their time. Right? No, I don't believe in that. But of course, like you said, you know, we've reached a point in our lives where we don't waste time. Well, and what annoyed me about April, she cried a lot. She cried a lot and she talked a lot. It's like, girl, please just take some time to be silent. <laughs> Be in, be in the moment. It's okay. You always don't have to. Be well, then it probably face. tells you she doesn't listen to people either. Well, and that's what she said, that she genuinely did not listen to her partner, Jake, and they had been together for two years. And Jake has been trying to tell her these things repeatedly. And she's not listening because she only wants to hear what she wants. Right. Yeah. And what she wanted was a ring on her finger. She wanted a marriage. She wanted a ring on her finger and she wanted the 2.5 kids. <laughs> And Jake's like, whoa, you know, calm down. Another thing, Jake didn't seem genuinely happy with April. Mm -hmm. He seemed genuinely happy with his trial wife, which was like, ooh. So you, here you have April issuing Jake the ultimatum. And Jake's like, okay, you gave me this ultimatum. But guess what? I found somebody who makes me happier than you. Well, because like you said, the, they're shiny and new for three weeks. Yeah. So, well, and one thing that April did not appreciate about Jake is he filmed video of his trial wife twerking <laughs> and he kept the videos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Again, he, he saw some new booty and he got mesmerized. So, but I will say this that I will end because I know you're probably tired of hearing me talk about this show. Well, people, we're just all trying to keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of twists and turns. It was. Um, I didn't see anybody taking their trial spouses to church. <laughs> That's where I would have took my trial spouse to make sure that they didn't blow up, you know, spontaneously combust because they're a demon. Yeah. Make sure you didn't see no smoke coming out of them. <laughs> really? Because three weeks, you really think you can know someone fully in three weeks. You can't. Definitely not. I'm not even as friends. Like it takes years for friends to really know each other. Exactly. So yeah, that's what I've been binging. Sorry, I went off on a tangent a little bit about the couples. <laughs> but I'm but, sure, you know, Ultimatum's pretty hot right now. I know a lot of co our coworkers watch it. So they're listening going, oh, keep talking, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> it really is hard to follow because it's a lot of twists and turns. And mm -hmm. wait, okay, so this person's with that person and then they're not together and then they get married. And, but this whole time I'm thinking, I really hope they are taking tests STD test, COVID <laughs> test, any kind of test, because they're in close proximity with people. And it's just a lot of mixing and mingling. Well, this show sounds like all those other shows like Love Island or even like the MTV challenge shows where they all hook up, but it's the, the only factor that makes it different is this ultimatum twist. Yeah. So shout out to Nick and Vanessa Lachey, who are the hosts of the show. Uh, they I guess our relationship experts now. 
well, even though I, I don't know, know if they have credentials. I was gonna say people <laughs> won't take Nick seriously. You know, we all remember Nick and Jessica Simpson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but Nick and Vanessa do look legitim legitimately happy and they've been together for a while now. But it's, uh, you know, I really like those two, but they're not enough for me to want to watch that show. <laughs> like, I really can't stand messy relationship things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really get interested in that. But I do love Nick and Vanessa. And like Vanessa right now is in a show that I'm watching, um, NCIS Hawaii. I didn't and, know she was on that show. Yeah, she's actually the first female special agent in charge of a team Yay out of all, all the NCIS series. Mm -hmm. So because they have the original NCIS and there's uh, NCIS LA, Los Angeles, and then um, there was New Orleans, but that got canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, but after a lot of seasons, though, and then now Hawaii is the newest one and she's in charge, the first female in charge of a team on these shows. And, you know, she's pretty badass, but at the same time nurturing, she's got a family. She's a single mom because she's divorced, but she's still co-parents. But um, in terms of her leadership, she's a great leader. The, the team looks up to her. So I really enjoy the show a lot. And it's a procedural show. You know, somebody gets murdered and they've got to figure out who got, who did it. So yeah. it's a, you know, one of those as usual. But well, uh, well, good, but, good for her for being in her bag, though, because I didn't know she was on NCIS. Uh -huh. And then she has a couple of shows on Netflix. Yeah, so. well, and then she was on um, Call Me Cat, which was a comedy. It's in a second season now as the best friend of the character Cat, uh, played by Mayim Bialik from Big Bang Theory. Oh, I love but, her. Blossom. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she was like her rich friend, but she was like in three or four episodes and all of a sudden she disappeared, probably because she got this NCIS gig. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then she's also been in a few, um, as we all know, I love Hallmark Christmas movies. And she's <laughs> been the lead of a couple of Hallmark Christmas movies. And I enjoyed those. And then uh, Nick himself, of course, I've been a huge, I love boy bands. And I've said that before. Mm -hmm. And 98 Degrees is one of my favorites. And I've seen them in concert a few times. And the last time before the pandemic, I saw them for a holiday concert. And of course, I love them so much that I got like the... VIP package to see the sound check and do a Q&A with them. Mm -hmm. And so at that time when I was doing the Q&A or the, they were doing the Q&A, I asked a question of Nick because Vanessa was the host of Top Chef Junior at that time. So it's a Top Chef show, but with kids. Mm -hmm. I, I do know that show. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Gordon Ramsay production. And I oh, love no, no, no. That's a different show. Oh, wait. Iron. No. What's Gordon Ramsay's one? This is MasterChef Junior. Oh, okay. See, I'm so I think Top Chef was trying to spin off and copy Gordon because by that point, Gordon had a few seasons done already. This was the first season of Top Chef Junior. Got it. And Vanessa was the host of that show. So I asked Nick in the Q&A if there's an opportunity for you to like a, be a guest taster or guest judge on Top Chef Junior, if there's following seasons, would you go on there? And, you know, he kind of had a vague answer. So he had to see if he got invited or not. And you know, he kind of laughed about it. Yeah. But so it was, you know, I thought I'd plug in his wife while I was talking to him at the Q&A. <laughs> well, that's a good way to get your question answered, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, you know, 98 Degrees put on a great show. It was a holiday show. So they mixed their hits along with the Christmas album stuff that they have, which they have really great Christmas songs. Well, yay, 98 Degrees. I cannot <laughs> tell you a name of a 98 Degrees song, but I do remember the band. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> it's okay. I'll name some for her. Invisible Man, <laughs> The Hardest Thing. I appreciate you, boo. I appreciate you. And they collab with Mariah for a song. Thank God I found you. 
Thank God I found see, you. Okay, see, don't, don't murder her. She knows. She knows. <laughs> you just had to refresh my memory. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, something else uh, that's been missing in our lives. Which is? <laughs> wrestling talk. <laughs> so, you know, another big event. Oh, yes, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because we were talking about TV and I know that WrestleMania just happened. So I was exactly. waiting for you to bring it up because I know you're a fan. I am a huge fan, not just of WWE, but WrestleMania is one of the biggest events in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And so it was a two night event where they had, uh, it was not just one WrestleMania night, it was two nights. And so there's, a, there's there were a ton of matches, but I only want to highlight a few that were very interesting. I think that people would want to hear about. One was um, night one, night two, uh, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. Mm -hmm. And uh, Johnny Knoxville, and you heard that right, that's Johnny Knoxville from Jackass. <laughs> and um, that match was crazy. It was like a cartoon come to life because it was an anything goes match. Oh. And, you know, they used fire extinguishers, uh, you know, sprayed the extinguisher on, on, on Sammy, Johnny sprayed him. And then they used air horns to distract people like in their faces, you know, how oh loud, my those, loud those can be. That sounds like chaos. It was <laughs> chaos. And they like, at one point they pulled out a table, oh, a no. folding ta uh, table, and then it had mouse traps on it. Oh my gosh. And so you just knew somebody was going to fall through that oh. table and Sammy <laughs> fell through it Wait. <laughs> with the mouse traps clicking. Were the mousetraps taped to the table or glued? They were on top. The yeah, they were they were glued to the table. Okay. Okay. So and so when they fell on there, they would snap. Uh, I didn't see any like cling on to them, thank goodness. <laughs> but then um, uh, at one point, Party Boy and Wee Man both entered the ring to help Johnny. Oh, Wee Man! And, yeah, I was so I was really I was really impressed because Wee Man actually picked Sami Zayn up and body slammed him. Listen, just because he's <laughs> short doesn't mean he's not strong. I uh, know he's really strong. He's <laughs> packed with power. <laughs> I was surprised. That was that was a good moment. And then um, the funniest thing was Sami Zayn, they pulled out a giant mousetrap. So there's a theme, I guess, mousetraps. And there's <laughs> a huge mousetrap they constructed. And Sami Zayn, the other wrestler, he got trapped underneath the mousetrap and Johnny Knoxville pinned him. <laughs> So, so like I said, won the match. He did. He won. Very cartoonish. <laughs> That's clever, though. Yeah. With the and whole then, uh, thing. <laughs> so there was a few celebrities there because uh, night one they had Logan Paul there. And, he's a boxer um, now turned wrestler. I'm guessing, or he's both hybrid um, athlete. I, he might come in and out for some wrestling events, like the, the marquee events, but, mm -hmm. and I was surprised he actually put work into it because he actually did very well in the ring. Mm -hmm. His moves were pretty good. He, he did the splits. He did a, a bunch of like legit wrestling moves. So you could tell he actually trained and put effort into it, which is appreciated, even though he's kind of despicable, <laughs> but which is perfect why they paired him with the Miz and, but I love The Miz. Like he gets booed a lot, but he's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but it was Logan Paul and The Miz versus Ray and Dominic Mysterio, and that's uh, Dominic is Ray Mysterio's son. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you already knew Logan Paul was going to play into his douchiness because the first thing he did when he entered the ring was he wore this Pokemon trading card on his uh, around a 
$80,000 diamond encrusted Pokeball pendant. Oh. And that card that was in his pendant, uh, he just had bought. And it's the uh, most expensive, rarest Pokemon trading card in the world that he purchased for $5.275 million. And he's wearing this in the ring. Uh, to the ring. He didn't wear it during the match, but you know, still he's wearing $5 million around his uh, uh, neck to the ring just to flex that he did that. And it, like I said, it's the rarest Pokemon card. Uh, it's a grade PSA grade 10, which is the most pristine card. Mm. There's only 39 of these cards in the world. That's why it's so expensive. But and he, you know, he has one of them. So when he got into the ring, did he hand this card, this five million dollar diamond encrusted card to someone? Did he? Yeah, like, they, I mean, they they took it away. Like, okay, <laughs> they, they, didn't keep it, they didn't keep it ringside. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just for example, like grade ten, he spent that much money on it. Like uh, I think I read that a PSA grade seven of that same card sold for nine hundred thousand at auction. So being more pristine makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he wore that. Um, the best part about it, he and The Miz won. But the best part of that match is at the end, The Miz, you know, he likes the spotlight himself because he's kind of known as Mr. Hollywood in, in WWE. He's done movies and things and TV shows. And so he kind of uh, resented Logan Paul for getting some of his spotlight. So he did his finishing move on Logan Paul and turned on him. <laughs> and he did the skull crushing finale on Logan right to the mat and Logan fell right on his face. So <laughs> the audience loved it, of course. <laughs> And that's so common in wrestling. I remember when I watched it, people would turn on each other all the time, especially like on tag team matches and stuff. All of a sudden, it, instead of two on two, it would be like three on one. <laughs> so that's uh, common. And, um, and then night one, a big deal happened, which was the first in uh, debut of a return for Cody Rhodes in WWE because Cody Rhodes had been gone five or six years and he has he had started a rival company AEW a few years ago and AEW is now huge and they're mm -hmm. you know they're up there rivaling WWE mm -hmm. but Cody recently left AEW and he re-signed with WWE and so his premiere match was at Wrestlemania that almost kind of sound like ultimatum it was like left right <laughs> up down <laughs> yeah the, the wrestling fans know that it was a pretty big deal for him to leave because he founded he helped found AEW got it off the ground where it's to the point where they're rivaling WWE and now he left them to come to WWE the rival coming back home <laughs> it's, that's, how, that's, that's how they're trying to sell it actually yeah. but anyway that was interesting for him to come he won his match and then another big return to wrestling after I think 19 years was Steve Austin and I know you know Steve Stone Austin Coast. Austin 316 <laughs> My mom would never let me buy an Austin 316 shirt. <laughs> I understand why now. Oh, now. <laughs> but I was younger. I'm like, why not? It's cool. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny was <clears throat> he had agreed to come to WrestleMania. And initially they said he was only going to do an in-ring interview component and not wrestle. Mm -hmm. But then they surprised the fans and he actually started wrestling the guy who was interviewing, Kevin Owens. And it was actually a good match working with uh, Stone Cold's limitations because over the years he's had, you know, one of the things, even at the peak of his career, he had a neck injury and a back injury. And then knee, uh, his, knees knees, too, right? yeah, his knees are really bad because yeah. he wears these braces. Mm -hmm. So they really worked around his limitations and you could see like when he would go in and out of the ring, he would be straight legged. He, he would never like bend his knees. Mm -hmm. And, but he actually took a soup. They went into, they went into the crowd to fight in the crowd, you know how sometimes they do that. 
Mm -hmm. And Kevin Owens suplexed Stone Cold on the concrete floor out there. I'm surprised he took Ooh. that fall, Ooh. but it was, uh, yeah, it was, he put on a good show, even after all these years of it, not wrestling, even though he had his physical limitations, he put, you know, he was able to deliver something high quality to the fans. So well, I Stone, really appreciated that. Stone Cold is 57 years old. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that he was even open to being beaten and battered, <laughs> like and i know it's not true beaten and battered but you know well but being, that being, getting falling on the concrete floor that's that's yeah. real <laughs> i mean because um i'm mid-30s and i'm not trying to fall on the concrete floor <laughs> but um and then lastly the most entertaining match for me was on night two and actually the match started out with pat mcafee who's an announcer on wwe he's also a big podcaster like he has a, a ton of followers um and he's a former professional football player turned mm -hmm. podcaster he talks about wrestling and other things but um he faced a young wrestler who's up and coming austin theory who's been pushed by vince mcmahon in the company and vince mcmahon's been really supporting this young kid and mm -hmm. i like austin theory a lot even though the crowd boos him but i think he's a very talented wrestler um uh, so pat beat austin mm -hmm. and then vince mcmahon was ringside watching the match and he was not pleased with the outcome so he, uncle vince was like uh-uh no yeah uncle vince <laughs> decided to come in the ring took his jacket off took his shirt off he had his tank top on did he walk he, up to the ring swaying them hips he did like a rooster <laughs> all flexed out with his chest and he said i'm gonna fight you pat mcafee and you know vince is in his 70s 76 four years shy of 80 yeah. and you are doing this sir i commend you i commend vince and he physically looks great still. He's he's still thick and muscular mm -hmm. for his age. And, you know, obviously, Pat was taking the fall of this match because Vince was beating him up and throwing him around. And this is after Pat was throwing around Austin Theory, a young man. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really fun to watch. So Vince ended up winning with Austin's help. And so they were like gloating in their victory. And all of a sudden, uh, the Stone Cold's ring music comes on and Stone Cold surprises on night two and comes out. And you know, you've watched wrestling back in the Attitude Era and mm -hmm. Vince and Stone Cold have a relationship, mm -hmm. which is love-hate. And so, you know, he came out there and he wanted to share a beer with Vince McMahon. You know how he loves to drink his IPAs and beers. And like cling so, it together and beers all flying. Exactly, he did that a lot. He did that. <laughs> There's beer all over the place. Um, so he and B uh, Vince were going to share a beer and then uh, Vince hesitantly like clinked his uh, can with Stone Cold. And then of course Stone Cold uh, double crossed him and gave him a Stone Cold stunner. Although- Stone Cold well, that's, that's like nostalgic right there because that was <laughs> the move years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Along and then the crowd uh, the, would go crazy and be yelling and screaming. That and with the rocks people's elbow. <laughs> <laughs> You smell. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, uh, but you could tell they both aged quite a bit because when he gave Vince the Stone Cold Center, um, it looked messy. <laughs> but the audience just was like, it, they were feeling that love in terms of being nostalgic and it was great to see the two men together in the ring. So it was a really this fun is match. A, a 57 year old Stone Cold Stunner versus 76 year old <laughs> Vince McMahon. <laughs> It's great to see both of them. And it's funny because I think that Vince McMahon resembles Troy Aikman 
So for our listeners who are football I can see fanatics, that Troy Aikman used to play for Dallas Cowboys. I think Troy Aikman is handsome. Vince McMahon is handsome for his age. And then so you saying these men can get it? I mean, for their age. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, too, Phil Jackson goes in there, too. Those oh, three, okay. those three right there, salt and pepper, silver foxes. Yeah, wink. <laughs> oh, okay, Cam. We see, we see. <laughs> well, and I was doing a little research on Vince McMahon, and I didn't know that his middle name was Kennedy. Yes. Vince Kennedy mm-hmm. McMahon. And I'm like, that is a handsome name. To go along with a handsome man. So when I was watching WWE way back in the day, I didn't appreciate Vince McMahon as I do now. So shout out to you, Uncle Vince. <laughs> well, you know, the, the athletes, they are very physical uh, in the ring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know that you were physical recently. I was. So I have been in my nature bag. As I mentioned last week, um, I went to a couple of botanical gardens and went on some hikes. I did another hike not too long ago. I went to Mount Rubido and I used to hike Mount Rubido a lot when I was younger and I hadn't been, I would say maybe in the last five to seven years. <laughs> and I was laughing at myself when I went to Mount Rubido because last time I went, I just parked in front of a random person's house <laughs> because that there was like no designated parking. Well, now they changed it where all of the parking has to park at this park. And then you hike up a street to get to the actual mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, just the hike itself. Up you to mean, get you to mean just Rubido. going to the street, uh, going up the street? <laughs> oh no, that's like, a oh, bad sign. <laughs> bad sign, but again... <laughs> I'm doing this for my health, you know, just trying to get in shape. So I wasn't prepared to hike like a mini hike and then do the actual real Mount Rubido hike. Well, okay. Just to set the scenery too, as mm -hmm. well. Like how was the weather at that moment? It was good. It was about 75, Okay, 75, nice nice little breeze. Um, This was a Sunday afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was pretty nice. A lot of vendors were out there. It's funny because people go to Mount Rubido, right, to get exercise. Uh-huh. But then you have like these ice cream vendors, popcorn. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, these people are here. I get it. It's a business opportunity, but they're enticing us. We're trying to go get some exercise and you want us to buy snacks? Well, <laughs> that's when your, your will has to come into play. It's like, I'm trying to be a snack, not eat a snack. <laughs> So, but the I'm hike trying was to nice. give out them Scooby snacks, right? <laughs> the hike, or it's not really a hike, but I would say a walk, walk mm-hmm. on an incline. It, I was going to inclined walk. Yes, <laughs> it was really nice. I opted to go on the side that was steeper than the other side. So when you get to Mount Rubido, you can go left or right. And so if you go left, it's um, not as steep. And then if you go right, it's kind of steeper and it's a little longer trail. But what was funny is here I am huffing and puffing, trying to go, keep going. There were people older than me who were running (laughs) up the mountain. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Just focus on yourself. I'm I'm happy to see others, you know, at different levels. But yeah. Uncle Vic's going to be passing you by too. (laughs) And you know, I would be clapping for him. I'd be like, go ahead, Uncle (laughs) Vic. But 
all in all, it took me about an hour to do the whole thing. Cause once I got up to the top, um, there's some steps right before you get to the cross. And so you can climb the steps all the way up to the cross. I did not. Yeah. For and those they, of you who aren't familiar with Mount Rubido, there's a cross at the top. Yes. And then um, it's a good view too of all of Riverside that you're able to see the beautiful city. So a good walk. It was a good, nice little, you know, get some fresh air and enjoy the nature. What were you was it crowded? Say? Was it crowded there? It was crowded. Um, a lot of people had their mask on. Some people didn't have their mask on. I would put my mask up, but then take it off when I absolutely could not breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was gasping for air. So, but yeah. yeah. Next time you just, to cover the mask portion, you just uh, wear an oxygen mask. <laughs> <laughs> then they might call 911. They'll be like, um, there's this girl here. Looks like she's about to die. <laughs> well, you're going to huff and puff through it so fast. You need to bring like two more cans with you. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'll be like, you know what? It's just going to be a no for me today. <laughs> but a lot of families out there too. And that was cute to see. Uh, people had their dogs. Some dogs were a little friendlier than others. Mm-hmm. I am not a dog person. So, you know, people's dogs would try to like, come toward me I would (laughs) you know like wait a minute now (laughs) I will say that um I was walking with protection (laughs) I did have a little blade with me just in case I had to use it because you never know oh thank god I did it but I was prepared thank goodness (laughs) well you know some one of these dogs they really were aggressive so I thought I was gonna have to pull out my my little shank and Oh, I wasn't even thinking about dogs. I was thinking about people. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm talking about animals. So, But nobody was harmed during my walk to Mount Rubido. So, yeah. And I think I am going to try to make that a weekly type activity. So just find some time in the weekend just to walk Mount Rubido. Well, if my schedule you, permits. It'll help you build your stamina, too. Yeah, so I can keep up with those old people and Vince McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) And I am happy to say at the end of the walk, when I was walking back to my car, I did not get any snacks. Yay! You know, people out there are wondering, did she eat any of those snacks? (laughs) I did not, but they look good. All the lotes and popcorn I saw and ice cream. Well, then what you deserved after that snack was what a was good it? salad. Mm, I do like me a good crisp salad with a bunch of toppings and then dressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, that's something that I've discovered recently is, you know, I'm picky about dressings mm-hmm. and typically I stick with really low calorie, low fat dressings. Wait, so, question for you though. Yes. Are you a creamy dressing type person or are you like a vinaigrette oil type person? So when yeah. I say creamy, like ranches, Thousand mm-hmm. Islands, things like that. And that's the thing. It's like, I love the creamy ones, but mm-hmm. because of my health consciousness, I stick to the vinaigrettes, the lighter ones mm-hmm. that have um, basically lower fat content, lower calories. And so, but, you know, I, for a little bit of flavor, boost of flavor and to, you know, um, jazz up my life and my salad, <laughs> my salad life. <laughs> I did uh, go with a creamy uh, salad dressing, which I found at Target. And it oh. just looked interesting to me because it was a uh, Meyer lemon poppy seed dressing. Okay. I do like lemon <laughs> flavors, tart, 
yeah but kind of make that little thing in your cheek tingle you know well, what i'm talking is, about it, it, it wasn't tart though that's the thing i thought it might be mm-hmm. and the main ingredient well mainly what they advertise on the bottle it's meyer lemon juice onion and sea salt okay. and so it, it sounds like it's going to be tart and tangy mm-hmm. but it's actually uh a little bit of that but it's sweet and acidic And there's this sweetness that's just absolutely spellbinding to me. It's delicious. Like I I, I stick with the serving size, which is two tablespoons, but I just want to drown my salad in it, but I won't. But it's just so delicious. Would it be good to like dip chicken fingers in like grilled chicken? I believe it would be because it's like a sweeter version of honey mustard, but lemony. Mm, you should give it a delicious. try. And for those of you wondering about the numbers, I'll run real quick. The, the main numbers, uh, again, serving size is two tablespoons. And that's something that, you know, I take issue with is people say, I'm eating healthy. I'm having a salad, but then they drown it in, uh, in dressing. But did you look at the serving size? It's two tablespoons, not, <laughs> not two 20. cups. Yeah, like two cups. <laughs> Like they pour the dressing on their salad and half the bottle's gone already. <laughs> their salad is now a 1200 calorie salad. Well, and, and that, exactly. And it's like, would you like some salad with your dressing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, so two tablespoons for 130 calories, 11 grams of fat. That's what gets me. It's, that's a lot of fat in there, but you know, I only stick to the two tablespoons. It's delicious though and then eight grams of carbs, and unfortunately, zero grams of protein. And I'm t- always looking for ways to put protein in my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do have a lot of chicken usually in my salad. So that's where my protein comes from. But you know, it's a very delicious salad. So if you're looking for a good creamy dressing, mm. uh, it's a Target brand good and gather uh, brand that they carry there. So mm-hmm. the Meyer lemon poppy seed dressing. So I was like, should I tell people about this dressing? Because what if all of a sudden there's a shortage and now I can't find my dressing because I recommend it. It's going to be it. sold out. See, yeah. well, I hope you, you stock up because I am going to try this. You know, I'm a soft person. I know you are. You're going to love, you're going to love this one. You ain't said nothing but a word. So thank you for that recommendation. Matter of fact, I think I got to go right now. <laughs> yeah, go get some dressing. Well, booze. Till next time, be bougie. And remember, you ain't got to be bougie if you stay bougie. Bye. Bye.